You are God, Lord, from before time began. You were on your throne. You are God, Lord. And right now, in the good times and bad, Lord, you are You're unchangeable. You're unshakable. You're unstoppable. That's what you are. Lord, you're unchangeable. You're unshakable. You're unstoppable. That's what you are. tonight. So whatever need you might have, he's got complete control over. He's got complete authority over. And I pray that you just allow that truth to find a way into your soul this evening so that you can receive everything that God has for you. Amen. It's good to have you in the house of the Lord tonight. I know it's still a little bit cold, but I think it's a little bit warmer than last week. And I'm just glad to see a a fuller crowd this evening because we all need to hear the gospel. Amen. Last week, we began our series, you can put up the first slide, on the seven ups of Christianity. For those of you who might not have been here, it's the seven things that we must do in order to grow in the Lord, in order to be ready for His return, in order for us to be everything that He has called us to be. Amen? But before we go into that lesson, we're going to go ahead and pray. Ask God to anoint me. Ask God to anoint you to prepare me and to prepare you. Amen? Father God, we just thank you that you are on your throne this evening. We thank you, Father God, that you're unshakable, unchangeable, unstoppable. God, that there's nothing that we can encounter or face in life that has uh, any power over your power, any authority over your authority, God. And I thank you that you're able to change whatever situations or circumstances we might be facing here tonight and pray that you would do that. God, that you would set our spirits free, God, that you would give us the rest that we need and the peace that we need. And God, we also need your anointing to be upon us this evening. 
I confess my need for you, God, to uh, bring forth your word with clarity, with understanding, with revelation and anointing. I need your Holy Spirit because it's not by might nor by power, but it's by your spirit, says the Lord. And your people need your spirit to receive as well, Father God. We need your spirit to change, to allow your word to find a place in the soil of our soul that it might grow and bring forth fruit. And that's what we ask, Father God, that you would bring forth, forth fruit in our lives that the world may taste of you and see that you are good. In Jesus' name we all pray and say amen. Like I said, for those of you who weren't here last week, we began our series on the seven ups of Christianity, the seven things that we must do, I believe, in 2010 in order to maintain the type of Christianity and the type of relationship that we should have with God especially as his sons and daughters. Real quick, you know, I like to recap. The seven ups of Christianity are this. Uh, we must wake up because we've gone to sleep on the job, I believe, as God's people. We talked on it last week. I'm going to recap on that just a tiny bit this week. Number two, we must shape up because I believe the children of God and the house of God are spiritually out of shape. I believe that we are unfit for duty on many occasions. And I'm going to talk about that one this evening. We must pray up. Because it's how we connect to the power of God, the power of heaven. It's how we just build our relationship with the Father. We've got to clean up because I believe our garments uh, are dirty. I believe that this world has the ability to just soil us and make us unclean. And we need to realize that it's our job to clean up because God is coming back for a bride that is without spot or wrinkle. We've got to dress up because the Word of God tells us that we're to put off the things of this world and we're to put on Christ and God and godliness. We're to listen up because we're to be attentive to His voice. Our ears should always be tuned towards heaven. And finally, we must look up because our redemption draws near. Because in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, the angel of the Lord could descend with a shout and call us all home. And we need to be ready for that. We need to be looking for that. Like I said last week, there's all sorts of things that we must do, church, not just seven things. There's all sorts of things we can do to be prepared for the Lord's return, all sorts of things we can do to better advance the kingdom of God and his righteousness on the earth. But these are the seven things that I really want to focus on over the next few weeks. Hopefully we get it done in seven weeks. As the Lord uh, has me break one up. We're going to do that, extend as long as the Holy Spirit. But the first up that we looked at was wake up. How the church and the Christian must wake up in order to do the will of the Father, in order to answer the call of Christ upon our lives, in order to advance the kingdom of God, we've got to wake up. I don't know if I even talked on this last week, but I believe that if we look back at the history of the church, if we just look at some of the things that have taken place in our society and in our nation over the last few years, we can realize that prayer was taken out of school when the church was asleep. And I believe in the same way the church has to watch that they don't fall asleep again. I believe that the word of God was taken out of the classrooms while the church was asleep. I believe that homosexuality has made its way even behind the pulpit of God because the church has been asleep. They've not been on guard. They've not been watching, watchful. They've not been awake. They've not been doing what they are been called to do, ordered to do by the word of God. And we must wake up. I believe that the church was asleep when abortion was made legal. And I believe it is still asleep in so many areas of our society, so many areas, even within the church congregation. And it's why I believe we are called to wake up in some of the final words that God speaks to the church and some of the final words that God speaks to the congregation of believers 
uh, they're recorded in Revelation chapter 3. I talked on it last week, and we are told in those final words to wake up because our jobs aren't done yet. We're told to wake up because there's much to do. There's still much that needs to be completed. There's a lot of souls that need to be saved. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. There's a lot of healing that needs to take place. There's a lot of love that needs to be bestowed upon this world. And we've got to wake up, church. This message is to the church. Uh, God told the church to wake up because it is only the children of God who can advance the kingdom of God. Those that are lost in darkness cannot advance the kingdom of God. They cannot bring forth the word of God. And it's why the church has been called to wake up because we're the only ones that can advance the kingdom of God. How many of you know you can't advance while you're sleeping? You can't advance physically while you're asleep, and you can't advance spiritually while you're asleep. So that's why sometimes in the physical, we got to shake off the slumber so we can do the things that we've got to do in the physical realm, and we've got to shake off the slumber in the spiritual realm so we can do the things that we've been called to do in the spiritual realm. Amen? We can't advance the kingdom of God while we're relaxing on, on our big, comfy, cozy couch like I talked about last week. You're not going to advance yourself in the physical world. If you don't go work hard at work, whatever your hand finds to do, the Bible says you got to do it with all your might. And you're not going to advance out there if you spend all your time sleeping on a couch. Amen. And in the spiritual realm, we're not going to be able to advance the kingdom of God, do the will of God, unless we wake up from the slumber that the church is in. We looked at Jonah, who went to sleep in disobedience, we learned. It was his job. To advance the kingdom of God and righteousness. And it's our job to do the very same thing, church. It was his job to bring forth the word of God. But what did he do? We learned that he went to sleep in disobedience. He made his way to the bottom of a ship and he went to sleep in disobedience to God's word. Listen, while he was supposed to be sharing the gospel, while he was supposed to be preaching the word, while he was supposed to be advancing the kingdom of God and saving souls and bringing forth the word of God, while he was supposed to be taking a stand for righteousness and being an example of obedience to God, he, he instead of doing those things, what was he doing? He was sleeping in the bottom of a boat. And so often we find ourselves in the same exact place, church, as individuals and a church, asleep in the bottom of the boat while we're supposed to be out there in the world advancing the kingdom of God, while we're supposed to be a witness for God, while we're supposed to be an oracle for God, while we're supposed to be a living example for God, promoting the righteousness of God and the godliness of God and advancing the kingdom. So often we find ourselves sleeping. We find ourselves asleep to the call of God in our life, church. Remember in Judges chapter 16, which I touched on and closed with last week, Samson, another righteous man in the word of God. Remember, Jonah was a righteous man, but he still disobeyed God. Samson was a righteous man. He was a righteous judge. He had an anointing and he had, a co- had made a covenant with God. And yet in Judges chapter 16... This man who was also called to advance the kingdom of God, who was also called to be a righteous judge and bring righteous judgment upon the earth. This same man, church, where do we find him? We found him sleeping in the lap of luxury. We found the Bible says that he lay his head in the lap of Delilah, who was the enemy's lap, which was the lap of luxury in the lap of the world. And he was lulled to sleep. And I believe the church has been in the same exact spot. 
uh, spot church asleep to the spiritual responsibilities that we have asleep to the spiritual duties that we have and we cannot afford to do the same thing that Jonah did we cannot afford to do the same thing Samson did because there's much work to be done listen the reality is <clears throat> we must wake up if we want to fulfill the call of God upon our life we must wake up if we want to fulfill our duty. We must wake up if we want to advance the kingdom. If we want to fight, if we want to run the race, we've got to wake up. And then, church, when we wake up, we have to shape up. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. I believe that like Delilah lulled Samson to sleep, the world has lulled the church to sleep and the Christian to sleep. And something has to happen in our life to wake us up. And then when we wake up, we can't expect to be filled with power like Samson expected to be. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. You know, anyone that's been in a coma for a long time, anyone that's been uh, not operating their muscles or been in any activity for a, a, a long period of time, they're completely out of shape. And what do they have to do? They've got to get themselves back into shape. Someone that's come out of a coma or come out of a sick bed for a number of months or a number of weeks, they can't hardly do anything. They got to have somebody else move their legs and somebody else move their arms and somebody else do some things for them. But there finally comes a point in time after some strenuous exercise and after some rehabilitation and after some strengthening, they finally are able to do all these things on their own. And this is where God is calling us as well. And we've got to come to a place where we're strong enough and fit enough to answer the call of God upon our lives and do things on our own instead of having somebody else do them for us. So this is why the second up we must face is shape up. I know I just finished a series on spiritual discipline. But in order for us to advance the kingdom of God, church, we must discipline ourselves, like Paul said to Timothy, for the purpose of godliness. And when you read that passage of Scripture, listen, we not only discipline ourselves so that we can obtain godliness, but we discipline ourselves so that we can spread godliness as well, so that we can have an effect in this world and cause the godliness and the righteousness of God to be spread. When you discipline yourself, you have more you have more than an effect just on your own soul. You have an effect on the souls of those that are around you. Because when you discipline yourself and you allow the, the righteousness of God to saturate your life, it's going to have an effect on the lives around you. Your sons, your daughters, your husbands, your wives, your co-workers, and even strangers that come into your life. I'm bringing all of this up again, not that I'm going to re-preach it, but simply, church, to remind us that we must shape up spiritually. If you want to win the race, you've got to be in shape. If you want to win the fight, you've got to be in shape. If you want to keep the faith, like Paul said, you must be in spiritual shape. You've got to be fit and ready for every good work, Paul said. The, the, the spiritual sluggard's not going to win the race. The spiritual sluggard's not going to win a fight. The spiritual sluggard's not going to win the battle. The spiritual slugger won't be able to pick up the shield, won't be able to pick up the sword, won't be able to do the battle that they need to do in order to find victory. And it's why God says to his people, you got to shape up. How many of you want to win the race? How many of you want to win the fight? How many of you, when you're standing face to face with Goliath, want to have the strength to overcome the Goliath, overcome the mountain or overcome the obstacle that comes into your life? The only way that you're going to do that is if you're fit and ready. That's why we've got to shape up church. We've got to exercise our soul. 
If you want to look all buff, if you want to have the six pack, if you want to lose some weight, you got to exercise. You can't just say, I want to be in shape. You can't just wish to be in shape. You got to exercise. You got to put forth some effort. You got to go to the gym. You got to get up early. You got to drink some stuff you don't like to drink. Do some things you don't like to do. And the same thing goes for us spiritually, church. We can't expect to have spiritual six-packs when we're not willing to exercise. We can't have, expect to have any sort of spiritual strength and overcome the obstacles of life if we, don't have, if we have not disciplined ourselves and exercised our souls, church. We've got to stretch our spirits. And we can do these things, church, through the Word of God. The way that we strengthen ourselves, the way that we shape up spiritually is through the Word of God. It's through a time of prayer. It's through a time of worship. It's through times of service. It's through times of fasting, like we're focusing on this month and, and the week next week, where it's a week of prayer and fasting. Sometimes, church, we've got to stretch ourselves and do things that we don't like to do in order to develop the spiritual muscles that it's going to require to overcome the obstacles you're going to face in 2010. Like I said last week, I don't know what 2010 is going to bring, but I can promise you one thing, the devil's still going to be around in 2010. I promise you one thing, the demons are going to come after you in 2010. I promise you one thing, temptation's going to come your way, and hardship's going to come your way, and storms are going to come your way. I, I can tell you God's going to be faithful. Yes, I know that, because God's always faithful. But I, I don't know what 2010 will bring. But if you want to be an overcomer in 2010, you better be in shape because the race is going to get harder. The fight is going to get tougher. I want you to know the storm might get stronger, but no matter what comes your way, if you are shaped up spiritually and you have Jesus Christ at the foundation of your soul, you're going to make it through the battle. You're going to make it through the fight. Otherwise, church, listen to me. If you do not shape up, your blood is going to be spattered on the spiritual battlefield of life. And, it, and the devil is going to do damage to your life, to your marriage, to your household, to your mind. Your, but wherever it is, we must shape up, church. And it's got to start at the beginning of this year. We can strengthen ourselves other ways that we can strengthen ourselves. If you find yourself weak, if you find yourself not an overcomer, if you find yourself struggling and battling, we have provided ways, even here at the church, where you can help strengthen and shape yourself up. On Monday nights, we've just started a Monday night men. It's an opportunity for the men to come and get shaped up spiritually. We have three discipleship classes and a place of prayer where we can come and pray and shape ourselves up spiritually. Listen, guys, you can't do all this on your own. You're going to need some men to sharpen men like iron sharpens iron. Ladies, you've got prayer that you can go to a Bible study that's coming up. You're here on one on Wednesday night. You come on Monday night for prayer. We've got a new beginners class where those that are new to the faith and don't want to lose the battle can come on Sunday morning and learn what it takes to become successful in their Christian living. We've got all sorts of things that you can become a part of. And depending how out of shape you are, we even have a recovery house that you can go to to help you fully recover from the situations that you can go through so that you can shape up and be ready for the coming of the Lord. These are things. Listen, we've got no excuses to not be in shape. The Word of God tells us that He has given us everything pertaining to life and righteousness. He's given us everything we need to be spiritual superstars in the kingdom of heaven. He's given us it all. We just need to learn to exercise those things and practice those things and put those things into our lives, church. 
But the sad reality is the overall church, and I'm not talking just about here, but the overall church has gotten fat and flabby spiritually, I believe. It's filled with spiritual couch potatoes that aren't willing to get up and do the things that have to be done in the spiritual realm in order to experience victory. Instead of complaining about your situation, get off the couch and pray. Your spiritual couch I'm talking about. Instead of complaining about the battle that you're going through, get off your comfy, cozy couch and open up the Word of God. Instead of getting comfortable on your comfy, cozy couch and whining about the stuff that's going on in your life, lift up a hand and begin to sing some praises to the King of kings and Lord of lords, the one who fights for you and with you, church. Don't whine and complain about the lack that you have. Get off your comfy, cozy couch and begin to exercise your spirit by trusting in Jehovah Jireh, your provider. These are the ways that we become everything God has called us to be. It's how we can experience the blessings that God has for us. We must shape up church. I believe, like I said, the church has become fat and flabby spiritually. And that's why the spirit says shape up because our spiritual lives depend on it. Because the Word of God tells us that bodily exercise profits a little bit, but spiritual exercise, the conditioning of your soul, the stretching of your soul, the exercise of your soul, holds profit in every area of your life, in the life that you have now and in the life to come. In the life to come, listen, spiritual exercise has a benefit to every area of your life. I didn't say it. The Word of God said it. It's in 1 Timothy 4.8. If you want to look it up yourself. Spiritual exercise has a benefit for every area of your life. It'll benefit you in your workplace. It'll benefit you in your marriage. It'll benefit you in your husbandry and your motherhood. It'll benefit you in every single area of your life. But only if you practice it. Only if you put it into practice and place in your life. We must shape up, church. The reality is our spiritual afterlife depends upon our spiritual discipline right now. The spiritual discipline that you incorporate into your life right now will determine your afterlife tomorrow. The, the spiritual condition of your soul today has has far more to do with your spiritual afterlife than most of us think. Listen, if we go through our entire spiritual life, we go through entire life unfit. If we go through entire spiritual life out of shape and out of condition, we have reason to wonder and worry about our spiritual afterlife. But when we do everything that we need to do is, is William here? I want to interrupt just to get a glass of water. And can you grab me a glass of water? Um, everything that we do, sorry for that interruption, but I'm, I'm a little parched. And so my point is that in order for us to be everything that we need to be prepared for everything that we need to do, we need to shape up church because our spiritual afterlife depends on what we're willing to do spiritually today. And we must keep that in mind, church. Our marriage depends on it. Our finances depend on it. Our family depends on it. Our right mind depends on it. Our physical health depends on it. Every area of our lives depend, church, on whether or not we're in spiritual shape or not. Vince Lombardi, and some of you may know who he is, some of you may not, but he was a famous Green Bay Packer coach in football in the 1960s. He was known for his intense training regimen that he put into practice in, in, in preparing all of his players for battle. He called football a battle, and he did everything that he can to prepare his 
uh, football players for battle. And he once said concerning his training regimen that he used among his players, he said, fatigue makes cowards of us all, and my team will not be full of cowards. So he practiced and he practiced and he practiced and he practiced until he knew that every one of his players, when they got out on that ball field, will, would out-endure his opponents. This is why, this is how he became as famous as he did because he had a team that knew how to endure and that endurance came through practice. It came through discipline. It came through struggling and it came through striving to be the best that they could be. Each uh, Green Bay Packer player was totally spent at the end of every practice. Anybody that knows anything about football on that team, they left everything that they had on the field of preparation so that they would win on the field of battle. They left everything that they had on the field of preparation so that they could be so that that's okay, so that they could win on the field of battle. How many of you want to win on the field of battle? Uh, uh, Amen. I want you to know that every area of your life is a battle. Your marriage is going to be a battle. Your finances are going to be a battle. Your family is going to be a battle. Your workplace is going to be a battle. And if you want to win in all of those areas, you better spend yourself on the practice field, because if you don't spend yourself in the prayer closet and you don't spend yourself in the word of God and you don't spend yourself in worship and you don't spend yourself on your knees and you don't spend yourself on the practice field where you learn to get it right. You're not going to win out there on the battlefield. You're not going to win when Goliath comes your way. You're not going to have any strength to tear down a wall of Jericho or say, get thee behind me, Satan. You will not win. But when you are willing, listen to me, church, when you're willing to spend every ounce of energy you have on the practice field. You got no reason to fear the Goliath. You got no reason to cut tail and turn when the enemy rises up in front of you. When you practice on the on the, the practice field, you will be prepared to say unto that mountain, be thou cast into the sea and it will move and take authority over every unclean spirit that tries to have its way in your life. That'll only be done to the individual that spends it all on the practice field. Your bedroom, your prayer closet, your car, your, 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 your living room is a practice field for the things of God. Listen, if you're not practicing your worship on your way to work, you're not going to win when you get there. Do you get what I'm saying, church? This is, this is a practice field right here. And if you can't get, woo, a little excited in church, you think you're going to get excited out there? If you can't lift up a hand in the presence of the Most High God in the house of God, you think you're going to lift a hand out there when all hell breaks loose around you? But if you and I could get it right on the practice field, it doesn't matter what the devil will bring our way. We will have victory. Amen? So in other words, we've got to shape up church. Fatigue makes cowards of us all. And Vince Lombardi understood and made himself a promise. I'm not going to have any cowards on my team. And this is what God doesn't want. God doesn't want any cowards on his team. The pastor doesn't want any cowards on his team. I don't want any cowards on my team in my ministry either because cowards will cut tail and run as soon as things get tough. As soon as things get rough, God wants an army of individuals that are not afraid to stand firm in the midst of adversity, stand firm in the midst of difficulty. And the only ones that can stand firm are the ones that are in shape. 
The only ones that can bear that load as it gets heavier and heavier and heavier are the ones that are in shape spiritually. The rest will crumble under the weight. Why do you think Jesus himself didn't crumble under the weight of the cross? Because he was ultimately disciplined. He was in spiritual shape. Jesus could never have bore the weight of the cross. He could have never done the will of the Father. He could have never been the, 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 the covering of our sins if he was spiritually unfit. But it's why he was able to bear the weight of the world. Because he was spiritually disciplined and spiritually fit. And we've got to do the same exact thing, church. There was no team that could match uh, Vince Lombardi's Packers when the fatigue set in during the fourth quarter of the game. When the clock was running down and the fourth quarter was in and the other team and all the opponents were getting tired and getting weak and couldn't make it through. Couldn't hold the line. The Green Bay Packers team just plowed right on through because they knew what it meant to be disciplined because they practiced and they were prepared and they knew how to endure. You and I need to learn how to endure church. I don't think the church knows how to endure anymore. I don't think the church knows how to persevere anymore. And I'm not saying all of us individually. When I'm talking about the church, understand, I'm saying the church as a whole, the church as a whole across the world has, doesn't know how to persevere anymore. They don't know how to endure anymore. They don't know how to make it through anymore. And we're going to find out why. It's because they're not in shape, church. In the same way, listen, spiritually we must shape up. We must be prepared to fight. We must be ready to run. We must be ready to win. And we too must leave all that we have on the practice field. Just like Vince Lombardi's team did. But the question is, do we? The question is, are we? The question is, will we? The problem with most Christian churches, they think that Christianity is like a sprint. I can sprint to church and back home. But then we leave God out all the rest of the week. I can sprint to Wednesday night. Sprint back home, but I leave him out the rest of the week. I can sprint to the Bible now and then. I can sprint to worship now and then. I can sprint real quick. But listen... Christianity is not a sprint. Christianity is not a quick run to church on Sunday morning or a quick run to church on, on Wednesday night. Christianity is a lifelong process. It is a lifelong journey from the moment you breathe your first breath to the moment you breathe your last breath. Christianity is a lifelong fight. And the only ones that will win are the ones that are strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. The only ones that will win. This is why we must shape up church. Most believers can run real fast for a short period of time. They're a dime a dozen. Woo! They grow up real fast. But as soon as the sun comes out, what does the Bible says happen to them? Woo! They wither out and die. Most believers can run real fast, short distance. But put a long, hard road in front of them. And guess what happens? Put a mountain in front of them. And guess what happens? Put a steep hill in front of most Christians. And guess what they do? They go back home. Put a storm in front of them. Put a Goliath in front of them. Put a wall of Jericho in front of them. Put them right in the middle of a wilderness situation. And what happens with most Christians? We break down. Why? Because we're out of shape. We're unfit. We're undisciplined. We're not implementing the tools and the things God's provided for us in order for us to be strong. We've got to shape up, church. Shape up is the word that God has for us. It's the second seven up of the seven ups that we're looking at. 
Listen, I think the church has become like the children of Israel. In 1 Samuel 5, 6, a group of individuals that cried out to Samuel and said, Give us a king! And if you don't know the story, I'll explain it real quickly. You see, the children of Israel, they wanted a king because they were tired of fighting. They wanted a king because they were tired of taking personal responsibility for their own lives and for their children and for every area of their life. They wanted a king because they wanted a king to protect them. They wanted a king to provide for them. They wanted a king to do all the praying and a king to do all the fasting and a king to do all of the hard work, church, no matter what they lived like. And boy, how that sounds like us. We want the pastor to do all the fighting. We want the pastor to do all the praying. We want the pastor to do all the fasting. We want the staff to do all the tough spiritual stuff while we live just like we want. We live just like we want, but as long as pastor's praying, as long as pastor's fasting, then all I got to do is call him up on the phone and say, Pastor, pray for me. Listen. There are times I'm telling you I talk to people when I want to. I'm being honest. I want to say, no, I'm not going to pray. You pray. You pray. You learn what it means to discipline yourself. Why don't you go fast so I don't have to? Why don't you go pray so I don't have to? Why don't you pay a price so I don't have to? Listen, I pay it. I'll do it. Somebody asks me to. But there are times, listen, we got to wake up and shape up all on our own. Because sometimes, listen to me, there's going to come a day when the pastor's not going to be there. There's going to come a day when no one's going to pick up the phone. There's going to come a day when there's no one you can turn to but God, the King of kings and Lord of lords. And if you're not awake, if you're not shaped up and cleaned up, get what I'm saying? You're not going to find what you're looking for. Just like Samson couldn't find what he was looking for because he dirtied himself up and he compromised. And when he thought he could find power, he found nothing. We'll look at that in just a second. We need to wake up and shape up church. We want to live like hell and we want to still receive from heaven. That's the way so many people in the house of God are. I'm saying in the house of God, not just out in the world, we want to do what we want to do. We want to walk in our ways, do our own thing, what's right in our own eyes. And then when trouble comes our way, we figure we can reach out and touch someone and everything's going to be made better. No, it won't. It won't. Sometimes it may because God's just a gracious, good God. But his word teaches us that we all must be in right standing with him in order to receive the blessings that he has for us, church. My prayers will only go so far for you. Listen to me. Your fervent prayer is going to go so much farther than mine for you. When you learn how to discipline and practice prayer all on your own. These are the things that we must incorporate, church. We want to win without having to run. We want, to, we want victory without having to fight. Oh, you go fight for me. You, you, you bear that load for me. Listen, this is not what it means to be a shaped up, strong Christian, wanting everybody else to do it for you. Listen, the children of Israel wanted a king, again, because they didn't want to answer to God. They got tired of answering to God. Listen, the Word of God even says, this is what the, listen, the chosen people, the royal priesthood, the holy nation which was chosen and set apart by God, His special people said this, We want to be like all the other nations. 
We want to be like all, give us a king. We want to be like all the other nations. They, the chosen people, the royal priesthood, the holy nation of God, wanted to be like those nations without a God. They had no God. And it amazes me that we, we find ourselves saying the same exact things. Why do we want to be so much like the world? Why do we want to look like them, dress like them, drive like them? Why do we want all the things that the world has? They don't have God. We've got God and we want to be like the world. We've got the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We've got Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha. We've got the King of Glory, the one who's strong and mighty. And we want to be like the world. We want to be like the world. I don't get it, church. The children of Israel said the same exact thing. Give us a king so we can be just like the world. We want to be like the other nations. Why did they want to be like the other nations, church? Listen, they gave away the condition of their soul in verse 20. It says in verse 20, the Lord spoke to them after the first time they said, give us a king. And he told them why he didn't want them to have a king. He tried to let them know how special they are, that they had the king of kings and the Lord of lords, that they didn't need an earthly king. But they grumbled and complained and said, give us a king. And how often we find ourselves, we ask God for something. He gives us an answer. He tells us, no, you don't need it. No, you shouldn't have it. No, you shouldn't do it. We say, but God, give it to me anyway. It's exactly what they did. They asked for something. God said no. They had a little temper tantrum. They had a little sissy fit. And they said, well, we want it anyway. God, give us a king. Listen. And, and from the abundance of their heart, their mouth spoke. And they said, so that he, they're talking to Samuel, the prophet of God. See, they're telling Samuel, you get us a king. They were afraid to even go to God direct. So they, they picked somebody else. You ever have somebody like that? Come into your life, they're afraid to go to God direct, so they come to you, want you to encounter God. It's like when I was little, and I wanted to ask my parents something, I would get my little sister to go ask, because I didn't want to have to ask. That's childish. I acted more like a child than the child I asked to go talk to my mom and dad, and we do the same exact thing. We're afraid to go to God, so we ask someone else to go ask for us. That means we're not in shape. That means we're a little child. That means we're immature. You and I need to be bold enough, strong enough, awake enough, and in shape enough enough to trust God that you and I can go ourselves and talk to God. Don't ask somebody else to go do what you should do on your own. That's ridiculous. Yet we do it all the time, church. And they said this, give us a king so that he may fight our battles for us. They gave away the condition of their soul. I don't want to fight anymore. I don't want to struggle anymore. I don't want to work anymore, don't want to serve anymore, don't want to give anymore. Find us a king so he can do all of those things for us, so he can fight for us. Listen, it's not the way Christianity was created. Every single one of us have a role in the kingdom of God, and that is to fight until we have our last breath. It is to fight, run, serve, keep the faith until we breathe our last breath. But they came out as the children of God and said, I don't want to fight anymore. Don't want to serve anymore. You know what they also didn't want to do? They didn't want to obey anymore. They wanted to live like hell and still have the blessings of heaven in their life. It's exactly what happened to them. And listen, it's exactly why they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Because listen, when the children of Israel stood at the promised land at Kadesh Barnea, what was it? The tent. Well, before I say that, remember, Vince Lombardi said <clears throat> spirit that uh, fatigue makes a coward of us all. 
And I believe that when we're spiritually out of shape, I believe when we're spiritually unfit and we do the things I've just been talking about, it creates a cowardice within us. It creates an inability for us to go to the Father and do the things. It creates a cowardice. Spiritual laziness creates a cowardice in our soul. And this is what happens. We want someone else to fight the battle. We want someone else to run the race. We want someone else to make the sacrifice and pay the price. When the children, now I go to when the children of Israel stood at the edge of the promised land at Kadesh Barnea, what was it that 10 out of the 12 spies said? They said, we cannot take the land. They said, it is filled with giants, with the descendants of Anak, which were the, the descendants of Goliath, eight-foot giant, or nine-foot giant. And they said this, they said, we are like grasshoppers in their sight, and we are like grasshoppers in our own sight. It is amazing, church, how you look at yourself when you are spiritually unfit. It's amazing and dangerous how you look at yourself when you are spiritually unfit. When you and I are unfit spiritually, we cannot see God for who he is. We cannot see uh, who, who we are through Christ. And we cannot see who the enemy is. You know what? You know who the enemy is to us as Christians? Defeated. That's who the enemy is. The enemy is defeated. The enemy is the grasshopper. The enemy is the loser. But when you and I are not shape, in shape spiritually, we cannot, we cannot grasp, understand who we are in Christ, who God is, and who the enemy is against us. And this is exactly what happened with 10 out of the 12 spies, church. They saw themselves for who they weren't. They saw the enemy for who they weren't. And they saw God for who he wasn't. A great God, two out of the 12, two out of the 12 saw exactly who the enemy was and said, we can take the land because God, my God, said this. Jehovah Sabaoth, the God of the host of all armies, he's the one that's going to go before me. He's the one that's going to give me that land because he's the one that said, wherever I set the tread of my foot, I'm going to have for me. But 10 out of the 12 spies, listen, their spiritual laziness created a cowardice within them. Their spiritual laziness, church, cost them their promise. And they wandered for 40 years or 38 more years at that point in the wilderness with no rest. You will never find rest when you're unfit spiritually. You will never find rest for your soul. You will never find rest for your mind. You will never find rest in your marriage. You will never find rest in your... Listen, it's not me. It's the Word of God. You will not find rest in your life until you find your rightful place in Jesus Christ. You will never find rest for your soul unless your, your spirit is in shape. Unless your spirit is conditioned because the lazy Christian makes room for cowardice and a coward never wins. I mean, I, I've just explained all of that. The coward never wins. They didn't win. Listen, church, their spiritual laziness cost them their promise and it created a wilderness situation in their life and they could not find rest in it. Their spiritual laziness affected their spiritual eyesight. It, it, it became blurred and it became weak because they were out of shape spiritually. Because they were out of shape spiritually, they walked by sight instead of by faith. But the people, the individuals, the Christians church that are built up in the most high faith, that are strong in the areas that they need to be strong, their spiritual eyesight's not affected. They Remember, like I said, they saw what they should not have seen because they were seeing with fleshly eyes instead of spiritual eyes that were trained. The only difference between uh, Joshua and Caleb, the two spies and the others, 
was that Joshua and Caleb were fit spiritually. The others weren't. A cowardice had entered into the lives of the other ten spies and all the children of Israel. Two spies, they were the only ones. They, the, the, the children of Israel listened to the bad report instead of the good report. And for 38 years they wandered. I say all that, church, if you don't want to wander in the wilderness, if you don't want to be overcome by the enemy, if you do not want a promise being stolen from your life, you've got to get in shape spiritually. You must shape up. Listen, when you and I forsake our spiritual disciplines, when you forsake the house of God, when you forsake the word of God, when you forsake fellowship with God through prayer, when you forsake the things of God, when you forsake all of those things that have been made available to you to strengthen you in your walk with God, to strengthen you in your spirit and stretch your spirit, when you forsake all of those things in your life, church, what you and I need to understand is that our spiritual senses are affected. You can't see, you can't see spiritually, you can't hear God, you can't touch God, you can't taste of the things of God and see the that they are good. Listen to me, church. You, I under, listen to me. We're, when we go into this week of prayer and fasting, I promise you, the deeper you get with God, when you start to give away that food and give your time to God and you begin to develop that spiritual discipline in your life, you're going to taste God like you've never tasted Him before. You're going to see God like you've never seen Him before. You're going to hear from God like you've never heard from God before. And listen, you're going to talk to God like you've never talked to God before. Your spiritual senses will be quick when you are willing to shape up spiritually, when you're willing to discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. If you can't hear from God, you're not in shape. If you can't talk to God, you're not in shape. If you can't see the hand of God and the work of God moving in your life, you're out of shape. It's not me saying it. It's the word of God saying it. So if you want your spiritual senses to be quickened and alive and be useful, you got to wake up. It's what the Bible is saying. You and I have to wake up. Listen, in order to get in shape, I'm going to start bringing this to a close, but in order to get in shape and stay in shape, the number one thing that we must endure according to the Word of God is sound doctrine. The number one thing you and I need to endure is sound doctrine. What do I mean by sound doctrine? I mean the unadulterated, uncompromised, unwatered down, unaltered, holy powerful word of God. I'm talking about every word that God brought forth. You and I, church, we need to endure every word of the doctrine. The problem with most Christians is they won't endure sound doctrine. The problem with most Christians and why they don't win is because they pick and choose what they want to endure. I like this part, but I don't like that part. I like this verse, but I don't like that verse. I'm going to claim this, but I'm not going to go through that. The reality is you and I got to endure the, the full doctrine of the word of God. We can't leave out. We can't leave out any part of the word of God from our life and think that we can have a complete relationship with God. We must endure sound doctrine. Listen, Paul warned, as I start to wind this down, Paul warned Timothy in 2 Timothy 4, 3 to 5. He said, for the time will come, Timothy, when they, meaning the people of God, will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts, they will heap unto themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and they shall be turned unto fables. And when you study this church, the fables that Paul was talking about were nothing more than stories. Nothing more. Listen, I'm not about to judge anybody here, but Paul was talking about a time coming when most of the people in the house of God would rather listen to funny stories, rather listen to bestseller top 10 books 
on the New York Times bestseller list, rather listen to motivational speakers, rather listen to all sorts of stories and fables that have nothing to do with the Word of God. They would rather listen to things that make them feel good instead of things that talk about the blood of Jesus Christ and sin and redemption and crucifixion and all of those things that will give us eternal life. Listen, you can't leave out the cross. You can't leave out. You can't leave the cross out of the message and expect that message to get you to heaven. There's only one way to the father. There's only one way to redemption. There's only one way to forgiveness. There's only one way to God, and that is through Jesus Christ, the Bible says. Jesus Christ went to the cross. Jesus Christ bled and died. Jesus Christ bled and died for what? He died for your and my sin, so that whosoever would believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I know there's a lot of people out there that don't want to hear that message. I know there's a lot of people sitting in the house of God that don't want to hear the fact that they're sinners that need the grace of God. They don't want to confront their sins, so they don't need redemption. They don't want to hear about redemption. Listen, I don't need forgiveness because I don't sin. This is the condition of the world. I don't know how many of you have been following it, but Brent Hume has just been crucified verbally. He's a, he's a newscaster who in conversation with Tiger Woods, who fell into an, felt into adultery in a horrific relationships, has a life that needs to be restored. Amen. Well, Brent Hume, who is a Christian, told told Tiger Woods that he needed to convert from Hindu to Christianity because Jesus Christ is the only one that offers hope of forgiveness and redemption. I praise God that he was willing to speak. But listen, my point is, the, 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 the worldly media began immediately to crucify Brit Hume. And even people in the church said, oh, you shouldn't be so condemning. Oh, you need to be more tolerant. Oh, you need all these faiths to come together. All these faiths should work together. Listen to me and listen to me clearly. There is only one faith that will get you to heaven. There is only one name. There is only one name upon which man shall be saved, and it is the name of Jesus Christ. It's not Buddha. It's not Krishna. It's not Mohammed or Allah. It's the name of Jesus Christ. Brit Hume spoke the truth, and the world tried to crucify him. The world crucified Jesus because they didn't like the message. And my point is... This world, there is a message that must be shared that the world does not like, church. There's a message that has to be shared that the world doesn't like and even people in the church don't like. There is a message. People will select churches because they don't want to listen. They don't want to hear about their sin. They don't want to hear about the fact that they got to get some things right in their life. Paul said, I'm warning you, Timothy, there's coming a time when you're going to preach your heart out and they're not going to listen because they won't endure sound doctrine. There's coming a time, Timothy, when you stand up for the word of God and you preach the full gospel that they're going to want to stone you and kill you. Even the people in the church will despise you like they despise me because they will not endure sound doctrine. I say all of this to tell you this. If this is not the foundation of your walk, if this is not the foundation of your prayer life and your worship life, if this is not the foundation of your job, if this is not the foundation of your marriage, if this is not the foundation of your own personal life that no one else knows about, listen to me, church. You won't win. You will not win the race. You and I, you and I as Christians, the number one thing we have to endure is sound doctrine. 
We must let it have its role and play its part in every area of our life because this is the only thing that's going to shape you up. My sermons won't shape you up. This is the bread of life. This is the power of God unto salvation. I can get up here and I can quote the word of God to you and I can preach the word of God to you, but this is the foundation. You and I, in order to be in proper spiritual shape, must endure sound doctrine in our life. Amen? If you are willing this evening to say, God, I know I've got to wake up and I know I've got to shape up, then I want you to stand up because we're going to pray and we're going to close. Our closing prayer is to be fit and not unfit. Fit for every good work that God calls you to, not unfit. Listen, real quick. The last thing we want to do is be like Samson who became unfit to demonstrate the power of the kingdom of God in his life. He became unfit to conquer the enemy like he once did. He became unfit to overcome and to unfit to break the chains that had tied him down. He was unfit to advance the kingdom of God on earth and he was unfit to rule or reign. God created us to reign, church. He created us to conquer. He created us to be overcomers. And he created us to advance the kingdom of God. And the only way we can do that is if we're willing to wake up and shape up. Amen. Father God, we thank you for your word this evening. We thank you, Father God, for the challenge. We thank you for the truth and the revelation. But I thank you, Father God, that you never speak a word. You never put a task before us without giving us everything we need to fulfill that task. So I thank you for the word, Father God. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you for all the tools that you've given us and placed at our disposal, God, in order to shape us up spiritually, in order to get our souls into proper spiritual condition. I pray, God, that you would help any one of us and every one of us, Father God, to shake off the slothfulness. I pray that we would shake off any compromise, God, that we would shake off all of those things that would keep us from being everything that you've called us to be. I pray, God, that every single one of us would be willing to shape up spiritually, to discipline ourselves for the purpose of godliness, not just our own godliness, God, but for the spreading of your righteousness and the the spreading of your character on this earth. I pray, God, that your kingdom would be revealed through us in our lives. I pray, God, that the power of the heavens, Father God, would be released through us into this world that is lost in darkness and dying. And help us to understand, God, that we cannot run unless we're in shape. We cannot fight unless we're in shape. We cannot keep the faith, O God, unless we are in shape. Unless we practice the spiritual disciplines that you have put at our disposal, God. So help us to be worshipers. Help us to be prayer warriors. Help us to be in the word of God, which is the power of God unto salvation. Help us to serve where we need to serve. Help us to obey, Father God, when we need to obey. To yield ourselves to you as instruments of righteousness, O God. Pray, God, that we would be obedient servants. Father God, that we would not be unfit. That we would be profitable to the master, fit and ready for every good work because we have disciplined our soul. Strengthen us through the power of your Holy Spirit, I pray. And let this word, God, find a place deep within the soil of our soul so that as we go through this week and we go through difficulties and we find ourselves wanting to take a nap spiritually, that you would speak to us and quicken us, God, so that we might rise up and continue our fight and our walk in faith. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said, Amen. As always, can we bless the Lord for his word, church? Amen. Special need, I'll pray. Otherwise, go in the strength of the Lord.